And the title of my sermon today is Working. Uh, working. And the text I'll be reading from is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. And this is what it says. It says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining or arguments so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding firmly the word of life so that on the day of Christ I can take pride because I did not run in vain nor labor in vain. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. The two verses that I love to just kind of focus on today is verses 12 and 13. He says, so that my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more, in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. That word work, you hear so often in these verses, that word work, that word work. Um, to give you an idea of where I'm coming from in my perception and perspective when it comes to this concept of work, first let me tell you that my dad and mom both emigrated from Jamaica to come to this great country. My dad, uh, actually, he was, he was actually working in England, and he was uh, a locomotive engineer. And they both uh, found their way in New York City in the late 60s. My mom came from Jamaica with her mom, and she was one of the first in the family to come here. And, and just to get here, to start pretty much with nothing, it was work, 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 work. My father, he left England and he came to America because he, he heard that his mom was dead, my grandmother, and he, and, and he found her in Brooklyn living in the back room of some friend's home as a chain smoker with... Um, uh, had a nervous breakdown, and so he decided to stay in America just for a little bit, just to kind of, you know, be with her, and uh, he ended up getting a student visa, and he went to Polytechnic Institute, work, 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 work. Here's the thing, I didn't say this in the first service, I'm trying to mind time, but my dad left Jamaica pretty much with like a fifth grade or sixth grade education, and, and, and to get into Polytechnic, he had to like act like as if he graduated like a high school. <laughs> And so he really didn't. And so he just kind of walked in there with a briefcase and realized how far he was. And so on his way home, he got off the subway, went to a bookstore, and he bought these two big books to you know, teach himself math. And that's how my father started to learn math. He had to, he had to start all the way back, but it was work, 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 work. Growing, growing up in the home, I kept hearing stories and stories of stories of how he would sit there at night with the lamp on, and he'd be going through it and going through it and going through it and going through it. And, and he would say until sweat would come down my body. Body, and I wouldn't stop because he didn't want to be embarrassed. He had to do this. He had to. He had to work, 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 work. My mom, she came from Jamaica, and she started out as a cashier, uh, working the register at I think ANS, uh, and, and and she was working, and she was working, and she was working, and 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 she had to work so they could send money back to Jamaica so that the rest of the family can come to America and, and kind of have this. So it's work, 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 work. I've 
learned to hear work, 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 work. I've learned that there's school and it is work and it is work and it is school and it is work, 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 school, 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 work, 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 work. I didn't say this in the first service either, but then when they did get married, my mom was pregnant with my brother Al, who's my oldest brother, and while she was pregnant and after she gave birth, she was going to Kingsborough Community College so she can become an RN, work, 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 work. My father started at the bottom of the pile in his company and he worked in, 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 in medical imaging and so they used to fix uh, x-ray machines in all the major hospitals in the New York City area and install. He started at the bottom and he worked his way up to the top. He became president of his own company, work, 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 work. United Medical Imaging, work, 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 contracts in, in, in Beth Israel and this church and in this hospital and this house, work, 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 work. Do you realize that as my father was working full-time, he was also a full-time pastor, work, 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 work. And he would have Monday all the way through Saturday, 5 a.m. prayer, he would preach full sermons, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. every single morning. To this day, he turns 80 next year. Work, 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 work. And so in our family, trust me, it's all about work, it's all about work, it's all about school, it's all about work. And trust me, with my kids, they know my mantra is work, 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 work. Here's a downside. When I gave my heart to the Lord around 19, 20 years of age, that concept and philosophy of work, 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 work filtered in to my understanding of salvation. See? When I gave my heart to the Lord, I was just glad that I was here, and I'm glad that he gave me this opportunity, but because of my concept of work, I need to continue working so I can stay saved. In fact, I'm not even sure if I'm really saved. Let me work harder just to make sure I am saved. And if I take a break, he might take the saving back. Work, 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 work. And I can never forget when I read this, this passage of scripture in Bible college, it said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And immediately I interpreted that passage of scripture like, I got to get to work, 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 work. Only to realize, that, but that's not what the scripture teaches us. The scripture actually tells me that I cannot work for salvation because salvation is a gift. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one May boast. I said, wait a minute. And so I, I never forget, as I started growing closer to the Lord, I discovered that this concept of salvation was actually a gift. For by grace, you have been saved. That word saved, it's sozo in, in Greek. And, and the word saved, it means to rescue from. It means to deliver from. It actually also means to restore. It actually means to heal. For by grace, you have been saved. The concept of this word, it means to rescue. Right, And so if you are sick, you're going to be rescued from the illness. If you're broken, you're, you're going to be rescued from decay. You're going to be rescued from, from depression. So salvation is just not about getting to heaven. It's about being restored. Right? The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ came to fix everything. And that's what salvation is. For by grace, you have been saved. That word grace, charis in Greek, it actually means unmerited favor to receive something that you do not deserve this is the word of god so i'm letting you know right now even in terms of salvation for you to be a christian you got something that you didn't deserve because it's by grace you have been saved by simply believing 
that God did it. It's amazing. So work, 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 work has nothing to do with you receiving salvation because salvation is a gift. This is a good word. Let me explain to you why. No matter how good you think you are, you and I will never be good enough to be God's standard of good. I know some of us might have that type of, you know, complex when it comes to, you know, you know making parents proud of us and, you know, da-da-da-da. Trust me, if you're trying to do that with God, you've already failed before you started because his idea of clean does not come close to your idea. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever tried to please their wife by cleaning up the kitchen and realizing that you're a level of clean? My wife is a registered nurse, and she is the ultimate. And so when I try to impress her, I've already failed before I started. Once I see her put on the white glove. (laughs) When it comes to God, your idea of righteousness, your idea of clean doesn't come close to what his definition is. And so the only way you and I can be righteous is if he gives it to you as a gift. And the only way you receive that gift is by believing that you just received a gift. For by grace, you've been restored. For by grace, you've been healed. For by grace, you've been delivered through believing that he did it. See? Work, 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 work. No, there's no work there. But the Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's a huge difference between working for salvation and working out your salvation, that word work, right? It's, a, it's this long word in, in, in Greek, but it's derived from this small word, ergon. Someone say ergon. E-R-G-O-N, ergon. And ergon means it's, it's translated as work, right, into English, but it, it means to start a business, to have an entrepreneurial spirit, to, 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 to uh, operate and, 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 and engage in proper business practices that will result in gaining a profit. In other words, when the word of God talks about Aragon, it's simply asking, are you good for business? Are you good for business? So I remember watching TV and looking at these sitcoms and these kids, when they have to make a little money, they go outside their house and they create this little lemonade stand and they sell lemonade for five cents. And I always wish that I can do that, but I was raised in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, and if we set up a stand, we would have got jumped. But the, the concept of, 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 of stirring up this business idea, this, this entrepreneurial spirit, we didn't realize that when it comes to the things of God, even though salvation is a gift, God is still asking us and speaking to our hearts that we ought to work it out so that we are good for business. Let me ask you a question. Are you good for business? Are you good? When, when, when you say, I'm a Christian, uh, are you good for business? You know, I, like, you know my, my church and where I serve is in Hempstead, uh, Long, Long Island, the outskirts of New York City. Let me tell you something. New York City is the pinnacle of customer service, let me tell you. The nicest people in the world are in the five boroughs of New York City. Can you sense the sarcasm in my voice? I mean, the, 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 the customer, it's amazing. I never forget, I went inside this one restaurant, and I was waiting 20 minutes for my food. They got upset at me that I was waiting for them to give me my food. Do you know what it's like to be in a restaurant? You're still here? I'm like, I, I didn't, I, I paid the money. <laughs> we, we, you know, it, just not the best. 
And so when, when God says, and when, when Scripture you know, reveals in this passage, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It says, are you employing good practices with the saving grace that God has already given to you? In other words, when people see you, do you represent well? I like the concept with that. Jesus said it this way. He said, uh, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify my Father who is in heaven. That's what he says. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill, it's impossible to hide. No one lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it. That makes no sense. You lose the purpose of that light. However, let your light shine. That's what the Bible says. Words of Jesus, let your light shine so that people who don't believe in me will see your good ergon. So that people who don't believe in me will see your good works, your good business practices. The thing is, when, when I'm a child of God, it's just not about my rugged individualism. I'm no longer just me by myself. I represent someone who is greater than me. Are you good for the divine brand? See, when people see you, they are wondering who you represent. And so that's where the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because I represent someone greater than me. Check what Jesus said. He says, let them see your good works. And when they see your good works, when they see my good works, they will glorify my Father in heaven. That word glorify, it actually means to shine a light on, to shine a spotlight on. Listen to what Jesus said about you and I being good for business. They said when you operate as you ought to operate, when you are good for business, people will not shine a light on you. An unbeliever will not try to big you up. An unbeliever will say, this is not worldly. This is not of this earth. What you are doing has to be something other than what I normally see. And the Bible says they will glorify the Father. That's how it works. I didn't realize this because do you realize Jesus has the power to be his own light? He is the light. And the light was the life of men. He is that light, the Bible says. But he made an, a, a, a divine executive decision to transfer his authority into you and I. He says, I know I'm the light, but right now I'm giving that power and authority to you, even though you're still broken, even though you're still trying to figure things out, even though you're still inconsistent, even though there's areas of your life that you're still struggling. I love you enough and I'm trusting you enough that you will represent me well. Go and let your light shine. And while you let your light shine, ready? Work it out. Anybody sell Avon? They don't sell Avon up here? What about back in the day? Anybody did Tupperware parties? Tupperware, come on, Tupperware, right? Like, um, there's a whole couple of like, there's uh, essential oils now. That's a big thing that people are uh, selling and stuff like that. And you ever go to these uh, multi-level marketing um, 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 workshops and they tell, hey, you can do this, you can do this. And we're all sitting there like, yo, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a millionaire by Thursday. And what you don't realize 
is in order for your business to grow, you're going to have to work your business. Am I lying? You're going to have to put work in it. That's what the Bible is saying. In order for you to represent him well, it's going to require some ergon. See? You don't work to get saved. You work so that your Father in heaven can be glorified. Can someone say amen to that? Here's a second piece. It's amazing because now I'm understanding. I'm like, okay, God, I get it. It says work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling. I come from an old school Pentecostal background, holiness, and, and when you're raised in that type of church and raised with that uh, type of uh, family, you just believe that God's going to strike you down for just about anything at any time, anywhere. It's, it's just, that's just how it is. That's just how I was raised. God forbid if you play basketball on a Sunday, you got to make sure that it's sunny out, but even then, God can send lightning when it's sunny out. And so when I saw this verse for the first time, I, I, I interpreted that, yo, I got to get to work or else God's going to end me at any given moment. And I got to be honest with you, that type of lifestyle was not full of joy. That type of lifestyle did not have a lot of hope. I was just waiting always to disappoint God. And it was, it was toxic. It was, a, it was a weird thing. I, ne- I was in my second, no, my first year in Bible college, and I just couldn't do this thing. I just couldn't do this. Have you ever been in a situation where it feels like God is asking for too much? Like, this is too much, God. I can't do this. And I never forget one of my classmates. Well, she was older. She was in the upper grade. And and she said to me, Chris, what is your vision of God? Who is God to you? And I'm coming from an athletic background. And and I'm used to coaches yelling and screaming, dumbass, come on. And that's how God was. Come on, dumbass. Get going. Give me laps. And I'll never forget. She says, you have to understand, he's a loving father. He wants you to win. He wants you to make it. I mean, there are parents in this room. If you're a parent, just raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're a parent. How many of you beat your child when they were learning how to walk? You wicked parent, you. You wicked. Huh? You have your little babies learning to walk for the first time. They're trying. They fell, and you kicked them. Come on, what's wrong with you? Is that what you did? Bunch of wicked parents in this room. I don't know any parent that would kick a child that's learning how to walk for the first time. But for some strange reason, we get it in our minds that when God is asking us to do the impossible by actually pleasing him, that when we fail, he's just going to kick us when we do. What, what kind of loving father would ever do that? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Recognize just by you having a desire to be obedient is an impossible task without faith. Understand your walk with the Lord is an impossible task without faith. God is extending to you and I to operate in the impossible always. And when you're actually having a good day, you really thought it was because of you. So when you're having a bad day, what do you think he's thinking? He's not going to kick you over. He's a loving father. And so when you look at that passive scripture, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, I do believe there's a, a certain level of, 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 of godly fear and reverence. But, but because, listen, the last couple of years, I've gone through some things. The last couple of years, I've had to deal with the loss of loved ones. And the last couple of years, I've, I struggled quite a bit when I saw things. Sometimes you see the worst in humanity sometimes. Sometimes you're wondering if God is playing fear. Sometimes you're wondering if he's on your side. The amount of times you've prayed and 
serve him and love on him. Why do these bad things happen sometimes? I've seen some stuff in the last 10 years, in the last three years. And, and because of what I've gone through and what he's brought me through, I've been able to take a look at this concept a little bit differently. But work out your salvation with fear and trembling. When I was eight years old, I went to this place called Six Flags Great Adventure. Anybody ever heard that place, Six Flags? And so when I was eight years old, this was this is an adventure for me. And 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 but you no, know, you know the, the the parents had to talk in the parking lot. And basically, uh, my mom said to my older brother, "Let me tell you something, Chris. Better not leave your side. He is your responsibility." Okay, mom. Okay, mom. And as an eight-year-old boy, I was always there to remind him of his mom. Remember, mommy said, "I'm not to leave your side." Mommy said, you got to watch me. You ever had a little brother? But see, here's the thing. What I didn't know is that my brother, who was 14, I'm eight, he's 14, he was trying to impress his girl. Her name was Sheldine. And so the whole time, he has his arm around Sheldine. Obviously, he has to wait till you know, my parents aren't looking. And now he has his arm around Sheldine. He's walking around uh, the, the, the park, and I'm trying to hold his hand. He's brushing it off. But mommy said, but mommy said, I need. and so Sheldine wanted to go into the haunted house. Ooh, we Christian, we Pentecostal Christian. You don't, ooh, you're going into the devil house. Ooh, and my brother just wanted to impress Sheldon. And so here we go, and he's going, I'm like, wait, where are we going? And so I'm holding on to me. And then as soon as we entered into the house, I saw that first skeleton. And immediately my right, my left cheek went to his left, his right cheek right here. And because I was, you know, he's tall, and bam, and I, and my, I plastered my face right next to his butt and I held him and I wouldn't let go. I destroyed all of his cool points right there. He's trying to hold on to Sheldon. His little brother is holding on to his leg. The entire time going through the haunted house, my eyes were closed. I was holding on to him. I was shaking. I was trembling. And he was still trying. And the reason why I was holding on to him is because I was frightened. I was scared. And I was holding on in the midst of that frightened, in the midst of me being scared. I was holding on to the one person I felt would keep me protected. Now, all of a sudden, this passage of scripture matters to me because I'm working out my salvation in the midst of some of the most terrifying moments in my life. I'm working out my salvation in moments where I lose my brother, my oldest brother, to COVID. I'm, I'm, I'm losing my best friend to COVID. I'm, I'm doing six, seven funerals a month in my church in the midst of this pandemic, and I'm losing hope. I'm losing my mind, but I'm, I'm, I refuse to let go of God because I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not afraid of the boogeyman. I'm afraid of being so frustrated that I let go of God. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of losing my temper and hurting someone because I can't take it anymore. And it's in those moments of tension where you know God is real and you're filled with the spirit of God, but you're still human and you're wondering if this is ever going to change. You're wondering if things are ever going to get better. And the only thing you could do is hold on and work it out. See? It's not about God striking you with lightning. It's more about God being there that you can hold on to him. And, and I wish we could preach it like we'll, we'll, we'll never go through stuff like that. But I got to be honest with you, there's moments and there's seasons of your life where all you have left to do is hold on to God. And if I could be real with you, there's moments where you're holding on to God and you're tired of holding on to him. You can't hold it anymore. And your prayer is like, Lord, I can't hold on to you. Lord, will you hold on to me? 
working out. In the midst of the struggle, you're still good for business. There's so much I'm sharing in this sermon. In this, here's, let me, do you realize, even as a parent, I always want to be strong for my kids, and I always want to be strong for my wife. And, but do you realize, even as a leader, you have to show strength even when you're losing? Do you know what it's like to pray and not have an answered prayer, but God is still expecting you to be good for business? Do you know what it's like to forgive people who hate you? And, and the Bible tells you in Matthew chapter 5, pray for those who despitefully use you and bless those who curse you. And do you know what it's like to be on the losing? Trust me, I know, I'm a Jets fan. Do you know what it's like to be on the losing team and still be good for business? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm like, this. I don't know if I can do this. Well, that's why the Bible says, check this out. In this next verse, he says in verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you. See that? Because he knows you can't do it on your own. He knows that you can't hold on to him without him working in you. And I know it's the same word work, but you know, it's, English is funny because see, this word work, for it is God who is at work in you, that's a different Greek word. That word is energio. Energio, and it looks like the word energy. It is God who gives you the dynamic energy energy to do the work. It is God who gives you the power and the ability to do the work. You thought it was your idea to please God, only to find out it was God giving you the energy and the desire to please God. That's what the scripture says. He said, it is God who is at work in you both to desire and to Aragon, to desire and to, be, uh, 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 to, to practice good business for the Lord, for his pleasure. It's amazing. It's like I want to land a plane here because here's the thing. Um, on your best day, you can't please God without faith. Can I go deeper? Let me go deeper. You wouldn't even think about pleasing God if God didn't give you the energy to have that thought. Huh? There's no room for any Christian to be a goody two-shoe and look down on anybody because each and every one of us that's saved by the grace of God is saved by the grace of God. I was born in a family filled with pastors, and it, I didn't give up my, Lord, the heart, my heart to the Lord until I was 20. And that was after becoming a black Muslim and smoking reefer. And, you know, just, I said reefer. People don't say reefer anymore, do they? <laughs> I felt like Nikki Cruz for a moment. <laughs> I gave my heart to the Lord at the baccalaureate service of my brother's graduation from North Point Bible College. I was a Muslim. I hated everybody that didn't look like me. I got drunk. I wasn't even a good Muslim because I still ate bacon. <laughs> and I still got high. I wasn't even a good one. But just filled with hatred. And right there in that back row of that chapel service, the grace of God was given to me. The back row of that, of that, of that chapel service, God gave me the energy to want him. And I wasn't even looking for him. Christ was the last thing I would want. But he gave me the energio. He gave me the desire. So if there's anybody in this room that feels like, oh, they're not doing a good enough job, I'm here to let you know the fact that you know that you're not doing a good enough job is energio. 
The fact that the Holy Spirit is making you feel a certain way because you're stuck in a cycle of sin, the fact that you feel like you keep messing up all the time and you just want to give up, the fact that you feel that way is the receipt, it's proof positive that the Spirit of God is working in you. It is the energia of God. You can't work it without him working you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, and this is where I'll end. The Bible says, if we confess our sin, it's like, how do, I, how, do I, how, do I, how do I work out my salvation? How do I operate in good practice, good business? How do I know if I'm good for business? Let me tell you, every single time you and I miss the mark, the Spirit of God will let us know. Don't get angry with him. Don't get frustrated with the Holy Spirit. That's his job. The Bible says his job is to convict. His job is to point things out. And if he is active in your life, then the spirit of conviction is going to point things out in your life. And if I can bless you today, don't run away from that. Run to that. Because that is proof positive of God working in you so that you can be good for business. Amen? And so let me tell you something. If you, if you, if you, if you cussed your wife out under your breath and the Holy Spirit said, what was that? Guess what? Confess your sin. And he's faithful and just. Faithful meaning he can be trusted. Just means he'll be fair to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He is a loving father who wants you to come to him. But it takes humility. It takes humility to cry out to God for help. And so if you've gone through a season where you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. If, you're going, if you've gone through a season where it's like, I think God is asking for too much. I want you to know you're in good company. Because truth be told, not one person in this room can stand before God without God standing in us first. And so guess what? Stand in line as we all go to him and ask for his grace and mercy so he can work in us so that we can produce good work for him. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this moment where, God, I can recognize how much you really love us. Your word is so good that you've already provided a way for us to be clean. You said, if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You knew that I would sin. You knew, even when I promised I would never do it anymore, you knew that I would still miss the mark. And yet you provide a way. It's a promise. It's a divine promise. You'll never turn your back on us when we confess to you. And so, Lord, I'm asking, Lord God, that you just forgive us for every sin. Lord, every word, every thought, every deed that's been against your word, that's been against your will. Lord, I'm asking, Lord God, to forgive each and every one of us. You know, Lord, how we are at times. You know some of the things that we do, some of the things that we give into. But God, we, we come to you with humility. We ask you, oh God, to work in us today. Holy Spirit, we invite you into every area of our lives. Because, Father, we want to be good for business. 
thank you for loving us enough. Thank you for being with us, Lord. Thank you for rescuing us, delivering us, restoring us, healing us. We receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen.